0: Growth Igniter's Radio, Episode 40, Pam and Scott's Holiday Book Pairings for Accelerating Success in 2016. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of growth. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott.
1: Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated, and with me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott.
0: Hi, Pam. As always, it's great to be here with you again on Growth Igniter's radio. And if this is your first time listening, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspirations, and immediately useful ideas for leaders to take themselves and their companies to the next level of success. So, Pam, what's up for today?
1: Today, we're getting ready for the holidays pretty early, but not really. And we're going to be doing it through some great books that we believe will take us to accelerated success in 2016 and beyond. Okay. As you recall, in our book pairing episode that we had on episode 24, we had some great books for the summer, but what better time to start reading books again than over the
0: holidays? We really got a lot of positive feedback from our listeners that they really liked the idea that we paired books that were complementary around themes, and so it makes sense to do that again.
1: Mm -hmm. Let's take it from a theme that there's a lot of uncertainty out there. What we're hearing from CEOs and people in the C-suite is that there's a great deal of uncertainty about all kinds of things. And a few of them happen to be the changing global business environment. Right. Uh, What's going
0: on with Europe? What's going on with China? Exactly. Exactly.
1: And of course, who could overlook the 2016 presidential race (laughs) and all the kinds of things that could bring?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. regulations, taxes, what's going to happen with the Fed, yeah.
1: Then of course there's uncertainty about the business environment through new business
0: models, say uberization, mm-hmm. sharing economy, things that we haven't even dreamed of yet that are going to come up and and hopefully not surprise us too much but could.
1: Exactly. So what we're going to do is take pairs of books right just like wine and cheese or different types of books
0: that bring out each other's flavor
1: and we're going to talk about these themes through that okay so let's get started
0: okay well the first theme we're going to talk about is the idea that really comes up a lot when we talk to uh, top leaders about projecting into the future to identify actionable opportunities, things that can really take them to the next level.
1: Well, just our previous episode was Jim Blazingame. That's right. And he was talking about CEOs as the futurists. He was talking about how
0: how important it is for CEOs to be futurists. So the two books I'm going to be talking about today, uh, one of them talks about how to do more accurate forecasting. How do we become super forecasters? So
1: you just said the operative word here, (laughs) which is how 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 we do it because we get that we need to do it Mm -hmm. we get that there are some ways to do it and it's how this this book really important yeah exactly so this book does that
0: this book does that and the second book uh, talks about the perils of not doing it the first book is super forecasting the art and science of prediction it's by philip tetlock dead gardener it just came out in 2015. And it is interesting because it is based upon uh, research underwritten by the U.S. government intelligence equivalent of DARPA to identify how can people forecast the future better. Obviously, the intelligence community is really concerned with forecasting accurately. So what's their big idea? First off, they found that many people who make a professional living forecasting pundits and economists and stock pickers sometimes do know better than throwing darts and the more certain that somebody is about how right they are the less accurate sometimes their predictions are so they did a study where they engaged hundreds of people and they put out questions like is the price of gold going to go up by more than 10 percent in the next six months or what's going to happen with the election in the UK. And they looked at how people addressed the questions, and they found that the most capable predictors, super forecasters they called them, uh, had a number of ways how they approached questions. They were very open to asking the big questions and breaking them down into small questions. And you get into manageable things that you can start to accumulate data on.
1: So the type of question you ask, of course, informs the kind of results that you're going to get as
0: an answer. Because the question you ask is going to determine the answer you get. And if you ask the wrong question, you'll spend a lot of effort getting crappy answers. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage (laughs) out. Absolutely. And the second big thing was that these people were open-minded they were willing to entertain information from all over they were willing to change their forecasts as they got new information and the people who could not make big changes but incremental changes mm-hmm. so essentially refining the forecast were frequently more accurate and that's just two of the ways but the point is that how you think and also getting multiple perspectives, the more opinions you get that are manageable, the better prediction you're likely to have.
1: Well, that reconciles with what Jim was saying. He was talking about getting more perspectives. You have to ask the right questions. You have to ask
0: the right questions and be willing to go to multiple sources to get it and be open to what the answer could be. The more certain you are, this is the answer, the more likely you are to be wrong. And that takes us to the next book, Losing the Signal, the untold story behind the extraordinary rise and spectacular fall of BlackBerry. And it's by Jackie McNeish and Sean Silcroft. And it was also published in 2015.
1: Now this is actually a research-based book. This too, is right? well
0: this is this is done by reporters who did a great deal of research and also interviewed a lot of people in Research in Motion, which is a company that made the BlackBerry. So they didn't make all this up. They didn't make all this up. Uh, The big idea is they really track very vividly the story of Jim Basile and Mike Lazideris. Basile was the business guru behind BlackBerry. Lazideris was the technical guru. And it's a real interesting cautionary tale. Because at first, these guys, especially Lazadares, were very good at looking into the future. In fact, the authors make a point of saying that one of uh, Mike Lazadares' teachers in high school made the prediction the people who marry mobile communications and computing will have a huge impact. And Lazadares had the real insight, you know, what's really the unmet need is mobile email. That's looking into the future, looking into an unmet. So they need.
1: birthed the company. They birthed the company. But why is the book called Losing the Signal? <laughs>
0: Losing the Signal, because as we all know, BlackBerry went from rising up and becoming the dominant mobile device mm-hmm. to being upended by technology that they initially dismissed.
1: Sure. Everybody had a BlackBerry, and then suddenly everybody had a smartphone, uh, well, everybody, you know, an Apple.
0: That's right. And I mirror this because uh, my first electronic device was a was a palm pilot yeah and palm was unseated by blackberry and then blackberry was unseated by iphone and i'm carrying around an iphone these days and the big thing is remember i said super forecasters are flexible Mm -hmm. and they aren't certain about what's right well one of the things that comes out in losing the signal is that it is painted as a person who was very certain that his approach was the right approach. Mm-hmm. Take no prisoners. No
1: spoiler alerts. No here. spoiler.
0: Well, everybody knows this because uh, anybody who reads, you know, Newsweek or, right. or Businessweek or Fortune right. has heard this story. Uh, they just delve a lot deeper into it. They also show how. They dismissed Apple as, oh, it's technically inelegant. They were wedded to their device and their beliefs. They weren't paying attention necessarily to the customers.
1: Mm-hmm. So if we all know the story, what would make somebody want to read Losing the Sickness?
0: Well, because it brings in great detail the case study. And you compare, you, you hold this up next to super forecasting and you go, Oh, well, there's where they made a wrong turn. There's where they made a right turn. There's where they made another wrong turn. And that's why I paired uh-huh. these. It's really a wonderful way of using the very story-like losing the signal to get through the very dense but you know, important super forecast. So it's a great example it's and it makes it come to life. Great example it makes it come to life. And so that's our first pairing.
1: Okay, and that takes us to our first break. And when we come back, we will be talking about our second pair of books, which has to do with finding new opportunities. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated. On the web at businessadvance.com. We enable successful companies to accelerate to their next level of innovation and growth. And if you like what you're hearing, spread the good word. Go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 40, and use the links for our Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the top right of the page to tell your social media communities all about us. Use hashtag growthigniters. This will help us extend our reach to all of the people who can benefit from this series.
1: Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today is our second book pairing episode, and Scott and I are talking. Uh, with each other and all of you out there about some great books that can address some of the issues of looking into that crystal ball of 2016 and helping all of us to accelerate to our next level of success. And of course, you can see resources for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com Episode 40. So let's get back to our book pairing. Scott, no, I think
0: yeah. you have the next one. I do have the next one. Then we'll pass it off. We're talking about uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. And there are few things that are more uncertain about when to stay the course and when to shift. You know, when to transform personally or transform in the business. Mm-hmm when to wait, when to take action.
1: And how did Uber actually figure out that it was time to become Uber? Well, precisely. exactly.
0: You know, the most successful leaders that we've worked with have all shown a real facility for not just projecting, you know, linearly into the future. This is where we are. This is where we were. And that's where we are going to Mm -hmm. be a straight line. They're really good at looking around at the environment, reaching into that fuzziness of the future and saying, ah, here's a leap we can make. It's not necessarily continuous linear, it's a discontinuous very often, Mm -hmm. but it can take them to real success. And so I want to talk about one of the granddaddies behind that idea of that discontinuous leap, and that is the innovator's dilemma. Uh Uh, Clayton Christensen, a professor at Harvard, uh, the book originally came out in 1995, I believe, and so it's been around what, 20 and they've years.
1: updated it. I oh, think they have there was updated. there's a new edition oh. two thousand thirteen, I believe. You can see the updated, the updated edition.
0: edition. But it's still a goodie and in fact it's a book that I have referred to many times over the years. And virtually everyone who's out there in business has heard of disruptive innovation. Mm -hmm. We're all talking about disrupting. Disrupting this and disrupting that, Mm -hmm. and Uber disrupted the cab industry, and Apple disrupted research in motion, and Mm -hmm. so on. Christensen really was the one who came up and popularized the concept of disruptive innovation. First in an article, I think it was in Harvard Business Review, and then in The Innovator's Dilemma. Not the easiest read in the world, but well worthwhile And unfortunately, sometimes as we talk to people and they talk about disruption, not always represented the way Christensen wrote it.
1: Well, so let's just get the big idea.
0: The big idea behind Clayton Christensen is that companies can be upended when they become married to what they're doing. And a disruptor can come in uh, with something that initially is not as good in many ways, but frequently is less expensive. Uh, Christensen uses the example of the watch industry. You know, Swiss watches, and then the Japanese uh, watch companies came in with electronic watches, and the Swiss watchmakers looked at it and said, oh, this is a piece of junk. No one is going to want to wear this.
1: So it was a market need that wasn't yet firmly entrenched. And firmly
0: entrenched. Right. And uh, so what What uh, happened was people started wearing electronic watches, watches Mm -hmm. with electronic movements. Uh, So a cheap watch could become much more accurate than cheap watches used to be. Mm -hmm. And eventually it went all the way up and the Swiss watch market really sort of was upended for a while. Then it came back, uh, rebounded back by focusing on a new niche, which is the luxury watch. Mm Mm-hmm. The whole point being disruption starts with something that meets an unmet need, usually for an under underserved audience. And then they start this idea of incremental innovation. So have,
1: that's the learning curve. That's the
0: learning curve. Or the
1: scaling curve.
0: Right. And eventually the innovator, the new company, can get to the point where the old company gets bumped. Now, here's the problem. New companies know they need to innovate. Sometimes they need—they know they need to do something big, but the reward is I'm serving my current market. I'm serving my current customer base. Don't mess with my resources to serve my current customer base. Mm-hmm. And so people in the leading company who say, well, we should be working on this new thing, often get shot down because they say, no, that's not what we do. That's not our market. That's not our customer base. And so we fall in love with our fall in love with our technology or our business model. Christensen proposed uh, the idea of something he called a skunk works, which is take a, an innovation team outside of the company and away from competing for funding. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't if it's not yes. done right. That's true. So
1: just kind of to sum it up, Mm -hmm. uh, if you were to look at this, the big idea here is we have to be able to recognize when there is an emerging opportunity, when we can take advantage of it. We have to be willing to stay with it to grow the company or grow the idea. And also then to recognize when it's time to start, as they called it, an S-curve. What's interesting to me is that So many people have heard of this book and have read it in Mm -hmm. business school and whatever. I mean, it's a classic and yet to do it (laughs) is its own challenge. And so having that review of of a book like this. Mm-hmm. For those of you who've already uh, read this, read it again and read it again with the experience that you have behind you because it takes on a new meaning. It does. The more that you've tried to do this. Yeah. And uh, it's also led to some interesting offshoots, mm-hmm. which is where I want to pick up. Okay. And the offshoot that's most interesting here is in a book called Disrupt Yourself by Whitney Johnson. This is a brand new book book. So you have a granddaddy and a brand new book. What's really great about what Whitney has done is uh, she actually knew Clayton Christensen, who wrote Innovators Dilemma, and she was a co-founder of Rose Park Advisors Disruptive Innovation Fund. They used this theory of disruptive innovation to invest in publicly traded stocks and private early stage companies. Whitney was fabulous at doing this and she applied it to her own career growth.
0: The idea of disruption.
1: Disruption. So disrupt yourself is about career disruption and the idea that in order for us to be able to continue to get not just money, or whatever it is functionally from a job, we also have to be able to get the psychic payoffs. We have to be able to have both. And so that means growth. And even when you're successful, or maybe especially when you're successful, if you think about this whole curve of growth, you need to be willing to start looking and saying, what else is out there that needs to be done that builds on my strengths Even if there are things that I need to do to develop myself mm-hmm. to really be a player, what can I do? And Whitney takes us through such a very interesting series of ideas to do it. And I don't want to get too deeply into it because she's going to be our guest. That's right. What's interesting about this whole concept of the S-curve, seeing, seeing the idea, understanding that there's an initial lag, think of the letter S. And mm-hmm. when you're going around the curves, you're developing. And you're going into a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And ideally, before you get to the top of that letter S, you have found something new to grow into and you start that S again. So not just business growth, but self growth. Right. And Whitney is going to tell us so much more about that. How are we going to come up with new models for growth mm-hmm. and be in that continuous point of looking at emerging opportunities?
0: That's right. And having our eyes open so that we can look for the unexpected. And that comes from really having a very strong, big idea about what you want to have happen. That serves as a filter, right? Uh huh. But there's more. Okay. Because
1: in order to be able to do that, you need to be able to interact with people in some very new ways and look at people in some very new ways. And that's going to take us to our third pairing, which we will discuss after the break. So stay with us.
0: So Pam, since we're discussing books related to dealing with uncertainty and increasing success, how does your own book, Preventing Strategic Redlock, fit into this?
1: Actually, it could be paired with any of the books we're discussing in this episode. Strategic Gridlock is the name I gave to the mysterious stalls that often happen when successful organizations are under intense pressure to transform and grow because of the uncertainty that's out there. Leaders have told me that reading Preventing Strategic Gridlock helped them think more strategically about how to head off the stalls and unlock more of their organization's potential raise performance, and make big things happen, regardless of the uncertainty they faced.
0: So go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 40, and scroll down to resources to find out about a special offer you can receive for buying your copy of Preventing Strategic Gridlock today.
1: Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are talking about pairs of books that will accelerate your transformation and growth and success in 2016 and beyond. You can find out more about these resources by going to the Growth Igniter's radio page, episode 40. The third area that we want to talk about has to do with learning about how to deal with people in some new ways. The pair of books that I'm going to be talking about, the first one is called Friend and Foe, and it's by Adam Galinsky and Maurice Schweitzer, who are researchers. This is a brand new book also, and their study, is very interesting because so often we talk about well collaboration is the best way towards success right that's a standard wisdom and uh, never
0: trust your neighbor
1: well uh, so that there are people who are friends there are people who are foes right what these two researchers are telling us is that we have to learn how to balance the fact that the same person can really be both friend and foe at the same time, and that there's a tension between cooperation and competition. Think about this. In personal life, we talk about sibling rivalry, and then we talk about <laughs> yeah. brotherly love or right. sisterly love. That's a great personal example, mm-hmm. but we see it in the business world all the time. Oh, sure. Sure. And so you think about, for example, colleagues who are all competing for scarce resources or scarce job promotions. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, we all know that we have to collaborate. And now we're seeing it extended, of course, into more coopetition, which is competitors cooperating Mm -hmm. and working with alliances many more times or outsource providers. Mm -hmm. So our organization is constantly dealing with others, individuals, as well as organizations, where in one moment we are collaborating, Mm -hmm. but in some cases we have to come up with how are we going to advocate for our own objectives.
0: Okay. So they're making the case that it's very dangerous to go all the way one way, all the way the other. Extremes don't work. On
1: the other hand, what I really like about this book is that they're very pragmatic about it. Uh Uh-huh. They also talk about the fact that inevitably there are going to be times when trust may be broken. How do you repair it? Uh When do you put your guard up? They talk about that too. Like, what are some warning flags? But at the same time, another thing that is really great about this book is that virtually every paragraph is an example So there's a story almost in every paragraph. It actually was a good read for me. I Uh enjoyed it. Uh, An example, how names can bond and bully. It's good to be queen, but it's easier being the king. You know, you can see that that's the kind of thinking and they Uh they do it with, with good spirit. So we have to know, as they put it on the cover, when to cooperate, when to compete, and how to succeed at both. And that brings me to the other book that I wanted to pair this with, mm-hmm. which is an older book, comes from 2012, called The Power of Habit. Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg.
0: One of my favorites.
1: The reason for pairing these two books is that I think we get habitually oriented towards dealing with somebody as either a friend mm-hmm. or a foe mm-hmm. or somebody that we don't even pay attention to. So, for instance, I might overlook somebody that I should be paying more attention to. Right. And I'm thinking about an example in a client of mine where this company had. Patterns. And we, we right. all fall into these behavioral patterns. One part of the organization never spoke with the other part of the organization. In fact, they were actively disincented by oh, the yeah. way they were set up for promotions right. for the two parts of the company not to talk to each other at all.
0: Very adversarial.
1: It was. And yet we're all in this together and we have to work together to make new things
0: happen. Team, team, team.
1: Exactly. But they did not realize... <laughs> yeah. They did not realize what they were doing until, in this case, I I had had a chance to look at it. I said, do you realize what's happening? And they said, huh, you know, like shaking the head and going, oh, what we'd been doing is we had been actually not working together in a way that would be best for us under the circumstances as they exist today. And the fact was there had been reasons earlier on in the company's history as to why these two areas of the company would not have interacted Okay. It was was functional at the time. Functional at the time. Now it wasn't. So isn't that the case for a lot of things? We do whatever we do. We develop these powers of habit. Mm -hmm. So there's a cue. There's a stimulus. We see the other group. uh, We get into a routine where we don't interact. And then we get some kind of reward. Well, it no longer applies. So again, the reason that I'm pairing these books is to say, we have to be sensitive as doing says to when it's time to change our habits. And we have to recognize what the cues are, what sets us off Mm -hmm. into behaving a certain way. Right. And what does that trigger? What are the sets of actions and interactions that, that uh, brings out? Mm -hmm. And then is that reward really applicable today? And if not, Mm -hmm. what would be a new reward? Maybe you have to work backwards sometimes to say, this is what I want. Uh, So it goes into why we're having these pairings today is to say, if you want something different, you have to do something different. Well, that's right. And that brings us all the way to the whole reason why we were having this book pairing today, which is if we want to find ways to have the most successful right. two thousand sixteen. And beyond. And beyond. We need to first embrace the uncertainty. Right. Expect the unexpected. Second, look for those new opportunities that might seem a little out there, mm-hmm. but that if you go back and do your research and talk to
0: people- and You bear your purpose in mind. That's you really right. really think about the what is it we're here to do? Why, why do we exist as a company? Or why do I, what's my big purpose in life? And that acts as that filter to go, hey, you know what? I hadn't thought about that thing, but that thing could really be the thing that makes a big difference.
1: And of course, the thing that puts it all to life is learning how to balance that tension between cooperating, competing, and succeeding at both so that you can actually work with people in new ways to bring about what you're looking to make happen. And that is it for this episode of Growth Igniter's Radio. We want to thank you for listening and we want to hear from you. Is this something that you want to hear more about? Tell us about some other pairings of books and we'll be back with a future book pairing and we'll put them together.
0: Thank you for listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To check out resources related to today's conversation, including links to the books we talked about, share on social media, find out about upcoming episodes, or open a conversation with us, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 40. Until next
1: time, this is Pam Harper. And Scott Harper. Wishing you continued success and leaving you with this thought.
0: So what are you reading? What's on your bookshelf and how will it power you to the future?